Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. It's kind of funny. I'm looking at headlines here, like from U.S. News and World Report. Explainer, what is the debt ceiling and why does it matter? Does this not tell you if people in the media, if news directors, if editors, if producers feel they have to constantly explain this stuff, why are we funding government-run education? Shouldn't people graduate from high school or at least college knowing this stuff? Is it more important that we teach that men can be women and women can be men and gender is fluid or actually how the government functions? We don't teach civics anymore. At least not like we used to. We learn about specific figures in government. And we learn historical dates related to government. But having a working understanding, the citizenry, is not fully capable of understanding how the government is supposed to function. They might have a, 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 a way they'd like it to function, but it seems like many people don't understand how it functions. And, you know, ignorance is not only bliss, it's beneficial. If you're in government and you don't want people bothering you or getting in your way or snooping around or checking in on what you're up to, you just run the schools and make sure they have no idea what you're doing. And then, you know what? You might leave the border open and bring in 20, 30, 40, 50 million people who have no idea whatsoever. Wouldn't you love to stand down at the border as the migrants are coming across and ask them, hey, do you know what the 10th Amendment is? They would have no idea. They just know the only thing that they know is that here is better than there. They don't know and they don't care to know. And why would they care to know? If there's a hot meal on the other side of the border, if there's health care on the other side of the border, who cares who paid for it, how it got there, you're hungry, you want that hot meal, you want to get across that border. And most people in the same circumstance wouldn't think any indifferent. But look at the resistance to what's happening right now. I, look, I, I hope that in this crazy world of social media and streaming content and podcasting, AM, FM, Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher. I, I hope that I provide something that is not just me trolling. That when you're done listening to this program, you're like, yeah, okay, that's an idea. Well, that makes sense, or I hadn't heard that before. Right now in front of the Republican, the House Republican Caucus, there is a proposal to eliminate the income tax and move federal revenue streams to a what they call the fair tax, which would be a national sales tax, which if you look at states like Florida, California, New Hampshire, that don't have direct taxation of income, they make it up in a hybrid of sales tax, usage fees, uh, in the case of New Hampshire, state control of liquor retail. Now, you can argue back and forth about whether or not that's, you know, depending on your view of economics, should the state be owning businesses? Right? Each state in the union has different laws for how alcohol is sold. Can somebody from South Carolina let me know if you still, you guys still do the airplane bottle thing? I haven't been back in a while. I remember that was a real culture shock. 
I mean, it, when when you look at the way states re, run retail, some states ha, still have, you know, Connecticut. When I lived there, 8 o'clock was the cutoff. And you have to drive across the border to New York if you wanted a six-pack or something. Each state in the union has a different way of dealing with the sale and taxation of alcohol. I'm not getting into an argument about whether or not the government should be treating products differently. I don't th- I don't think there should be such a thing as a sin tax. If there's a sales tax, you know, the idea that you're going to tax cigarettes or alcohol more, that's, I find, quite foolish. But Florida, New Hampshire, Texas, and other states have, each state has a hybrid system. Some states have higher tolls, lower income taxes, mid-range sales taxes. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of ways to deal with that. And the states were set up to, to operate that, by, that way, by the way, under the 10th Amendment. Now, I'm going to do something here because this is going to be a long topic. We're going to go deep into this issue of the debt ceiling. All I ask, all I ask, is if I get something factually wrong, I don't want to get any yelling and screaming. If you're an opposition caller, you're a Democrat, you want to argue with me, let's have this out. But start your point with where I'm factually inaccurate. So, so far, I'm not factually inaccurate about how some states tax or just handle the retail sale of alcohol. Okay, okay? you want to, you want to, if you just want to disagree, I mean, I guess I, there's no rules for that. Florida runs, some people complained about the tolls, right? There are usage fees, there are tolls, but there's no state income tax, and the state is booming. Texas, similar. No state income tax, usage and fees, sales taxes, booming. Property taxes. People complain about property tax in Texas. I've heard that one. I live in New Jersey where... We just tax ourselves to death. We went from having one of the lowest gas taxes to the highest. We have the highest income tax rates, the highest um, property tax. It's just, it's it's a tax nightmare. And the argument always was, well, don't worry, there's the salt, ta- salt tax, the salt cap and the salt deduction. That shouldn't be. The idea that the federal government should have to augment its tax rates be, to offset a state's tax rates is, no, they're, they're, they're separate entities. If you vote for a tax, you should pay it. But the fear-mongering now is twofold, that because the Robert Reiches and the Paul Krugmans, it's the seen versus the unseen. Even when they don't get the benefit of the seen, so raise the tax on the, you hear this from the CBO all the time. There's always there's always a study. Well, if we raise taxes on the rich, we'll get X amount of dollars. There'll be a, you know another half a trillion dollars in revenue. Well, that is if the people you are taxing do not change their habits. So you can't just say, "We'll raise here's a tax we propose, and here's what we'll get from it." And I can prove that to you. If you said we're going to put a fifty dollar per tax ticket tax on every ticket sold in a in a major stadium. So when, you know, Taylor Swift goes out on tour or whatever, do you think that would affect the sale of the tickets? Of course it would. Either the artist and the distributor of the tickets and the venue would have to lower their prices or people would simply buy less tickets. 
it'd be hard it would be hard to attach a $50 per ticket tax um and still sell the same amount of tickets because people would change their habits pricing and cost affects habits even if you're dealing with the very rich so if you propose a tax and now we've had I see it on social media what we need really is a wealth tax I don't know how you'd do that legally there's been propositions to tax uh, 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 pr appreciated wealth, meaning the value of your stock portfolio at any given time. That was shot down by the Supreme Court in 1920. In 1920, the Supreme Court ruled that you could not have a, an appreciated value tax, that you could only tax the sale of a stock. So the net worth tax or the Hague-Simons tax. See, uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm going deep here. Does everyone know what the Hague-Simons tax is? If you don't, we'll get to that. I'm sure there's some very smart Democrats out there. You know what the Hague-Simons tax is, right? I mean, you've been calling for it. You might not know it as the Hague-Simons tax. Do you, do you know what it is? If you do, please, you know, feel free to chime in. Supreme Court already said can't do that. You cannot tax you know, intangible value. The market rate of real estate or gold or this or that, that's how property taxes are, are, are assessed in some cases. But the federal government is forbidden from just looking at you going, well, we think you're rich, so now we're going to tax you. Because the stock that they tax you on today could be worthless tomorrow. But the Republican proposal right now, which we would not be having, by the way, to my friends and colleagues in this business that thought it should just be an easy transition, not 15 rounds of votes to Kevin McCarthy, that we would be, to, if you think we would be talking about the, the, the fair tax or changing how we tax, if there was a red wave and McCarthy didn't need the 20, you're out of your mind. Actually, not having a red wave was one of the best things that ever happened, at least in the House. I would have preferred cons more conservatives in the Senate. And I would prefer to see Mitch McConnell lose, you know, his status as the leader of the Republican caucus. He's not doing a very good job. But we have a proposal right now to end the income tax. We also have something called the penny plan. Now, under a standard $4 trillion budget, the penny plan would only cut $40 billion. To think that life wouldn't go on if we didn't spend another 40 billion is just a lie it is just a lie if we were to cut one percent one penny of every dollar you know how elizabeth warren likes to talk in terms of pennies and katie porter likes to talk in terms of gumballs if we cut one penny of every dollar in the budget and put $40 billion into the debt. Look at where you'd be in 10 years, okay? Look at where you'd be in 20 years. If every year, and you compounded it, right? So you cut $40 billion the first year, you cut $40 billion the second year, or $38 billion, or $36 billion, or whatever it is. You start to compound that 1%. You reduce it by 1% in about a decade you would have the debt paid off. And it's kind of funny, a friend of mine 
and I called him right before the program. I was like, hey, what was that little thing that you you put me through? Okay. He just sent me a, a screenshot of it in chicken scratching. Here's a question for you, Super Producer Mike and everyone else out there. Would you rather have $1 million right now or a penny that doubles in value for the next month? Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. One penny right now that doubles in value every day for the next 30 days or $1 million? What would you take? I will save the answer as to what happens with that <laughs> for after the break. But think about it. You, you, go ahead and start writing it down. One penny. You start with one penny. It doubles in value every day for 30 days. What would you rather have? Now, when I come back, we'll talk about what that would do to the federal budget and the debt and the deficit coupled with the the fair tax. So the fair tax would eliminate all income taxes. Now, could it affect supply chain taxes? Yes, it could. But there would still be no income tax. That is the model of Texas and Florida versus California and New York. Texas and Florida are growing and thriving. Florida and New York are dying a miserable death. If it comes down to Newsom versus DeSantis, would you rather the rest of the country be more like California or more like Florida? If we went to a fair tax, a national sales tax, the increased consumer activity. All right, let me take the break. I'll pick this up on the other side. At any point, when I'm factually inaccurate, you let me know. Sirius XMP. You can join me live on the Wilcow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West, on Sirius XM Patriot, Channel 125.